things off just with a little little story, if that's all right. Um, so when my son was about nine months old and pretty new to solid food, my mother-in-law was uh, staying with us and helping us out. And um, she made him some vegetable mash, mash with some organic veggies and um, that we'd ordered in like one of those mystery boxes, one of those kind of food boxes, like it'll show up, it'll have some oh, yeah. vegetables in it. And so she put it together, you know, some pumpkin mashed up with some zucchini and some greens mixed in and, you know, he wolfed it all down like a good tiny person he was. Uh, And so when I got home from work, um, he'd had dinner and and I was putting him down to bed uh, and while my mother-in-law was out sort of tidying the kitchen. And then she came into his room after about two minutes and she just had a hint of panic at the edge of her voice and she said, oh my God, I fed Walter rhubarb leaves. Uh, so she looked at the veggies that she'd just put in his mash and sort of looked at them, looked at them again and went, oh my God, this is what I assumed were just some greens was actually the poisonous leaves of the rhubarb plant. So in that moment, I felt very focused and I nodded and said, okay, let's not panic. You call the poison hotline. I'll check on Walt. Um, his breathing was normal. He didn't seem to be in any distress. Uh, my mother-in-law got through to the poisons line and was sort of describing the scenario and saying how much he'd eaten. I thought, I'll just go and check how much is missing from the box and, um, and you know, went to check the rhubarb plant. And what I found was sitting on the chopping board was a plant with a colourful stalk and abundant green leaves, which was, of course, rainbow chard. Uh, I find it hard to tell the difference. Yeah, well, so did she. Uh, and so did the poisons hotline. They were like, <laughs> bring him in. Uh, rainbow chard is a pointless vegetable. Uh, mm. I'm sorry. When, and when this it's is not... It's a beautiful vegetable. Well, <laughs> sure. Uh, it's a pointless vegetable uh, at the best of times. And in this case, it was uh, quite troubling. So today we aren't talking about rainbow chard. We're talking about the much more useful, though, uh, you know, quietly poisonous vegetable called rhubarb. So I'm going to go back to basics for a second. Um, ben, do you know the rules around classing something as a fruit or a vegetable? Um, I, there's something about like if it's got a seed inside yeah, of it. Yeah, that's what I thought it okay. was. Yeah. But then I read heaps of articles about rhubarb, the fruit. Mm-hmm. But based on my classification system, rhubarb is a vegetable. So some American websites say it's a fruit because it's used as a fruit in cooking. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't really make any sense. Um, they think like gardening people and chefs can class um, one vegetable or fruit differently depending on its use. Yeah. And um, like just because it's used in mainly in desserts, which rhubarb is, doesn't mean it's a fruit. Yeah. And another thing, when rhubarb is used in desserts, it's used with like a heap of sugar. Yeah. Because it's not actually that sweet in itself. Yeah. Um, like if someone made like a kale flavoured ice cream, that doesn't make kale a vegetable. <laughs> Wait, a fruit. A fruit, yeah. Now I'm confused. Is yeah. kale... Okay, no, let's, let's just go back to okay. rhubarb. Anyway, right. there, I, I wanted to prove rhubarb's vegetableness. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to make like a savoury recipe with rhubarb. So I had a look and there weren't really many appetising ones out there, which maybe should have been a warning sign. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I looked on um, Trove and found a recipe from 1937 from a New South Wales newspaper... Um, November 5, 1937. So that's 79 years ago. And the recipe is for rhubarb pork loaf, which is quite... Oh. Uh, it sounds very savoury. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and the recipe was a little bit hard to understand. So it said, add a cup of stewed rhubarb and then in brackets, framed. So I think that 
I Googled framed and it didn't have any meaning in this context. So I think that I just took it as drained. Yeah. And then a pound of chopped pork, so I had to convert it to metric. And then three cups of rolled soda biscuits. I had to Google what soda biscuits (laughs) were and they're like saladas. Okay. And then salt and pepper and a well-beaten egg. Bake it. Um, And then you're left with the rhubarb pork loaf. And um, I learnt that there's probably a reason why there's not many savoury rhubarb (laughs) (laughs) recipes. And Uh I also learnt that meatloaf is bad. I've actually never had it before. I don't know if it can be good, but... Uh, just letting, just looking at this now, it's, very, it's yeah. changed a lot since last night. Letting the listeners behind the curtain, <laughs> there's a there's some, some like pretty like greyish, very grey brown. Yeah, it's pretty grey. Um. Anyway, I'm, you're I'm gonna, gonna have, have to eat this, aren't I? Okay. <laughs> I had it like smothered in gravy. Uh, yeah, I can see how that would work. No, it, it didn't. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> what's in this pork well, rhubarb? Yeah, pork rhubarb. Biscuits, and I feel like you, saladas. Yeah, you might All like right. it because you like pineapple on pizza, and you like Vegemite and honey together. You know what? <laughs> you, you're bang on right. This is pretty good. That's what I thought in my first bite too. You have to like. You have to like. It's like a. Mar- it's a marathon. I'm to actually eat. really enjoying this. <laughs> yeah. Um. Oh, that's weird. I, I must really get the recipe. No, that's actually really good. I'm going for No, I won't go for more because then you'll have to hear me chewing. But um, I, that works for me. Right. Okay. Well, um, I, I've made something as well. Um, and here it is. Uh, <laughs> is that a rhubarb leaf? It's rhubarb leaves. I've been thinking about rhubarb leaves ever since um, I fake poisoned my son. And I've been researching it because I just wanted to know how poisonous they are. <laughs> I told you to save this for round three. I've got to do it at the start because you've got to check in on me uh, throughout the show. Um, so rhubarb leaves contain dangerously high levels of oxalic acid, which can cause serious kidney damage, potentially leading to death. Good to know. Uh, it, um, But yeah, all, all the literature says you'd have to consume a very large amount of rhubarb leaves for death to become a threat. But it doesn't say how much is a lot. Mm. So, um, but it does say more likely you will uh, experience a range of uncomfortable symptoms, including a burning sensation in your mouth and throat, as well as difficulty breathing. You may also experience diarrhea, eye pain, nausea, stomach pain, vomiting, weakness, and urine that is red in colour, or kidney stones or seizures or a coma. So um, I'm just going to eat some rhubarb leaves. Okay. And we'll just check in on me throughout the show and see if I am in a coma. I can't panel, so if you hear dead air... Oh. It's an interesting taste. It's like... Um, it's... Yeah. It's like stronger than like rainbow chard, for example. It's got a slight... You're just talking about the leaves, though. The leaves would taste different to actual rhubarb. Yeah. No, I'm just eating the leaves, so... Yeah. Um, it's not unpleasant... Nothing's burning there. Should I stop? stop (laughs) Okay. All right. So I I looked into the treatment and prevention section and it says preventing rhubarb leaf poisoning can be done simply by avoiding ingesting any of the leaves of the plant, which is good to know, but Mm. a little late for me. 
we've got a special guest. Danny Valent is a food writer for publications such as The Age, where she reviews restaurants and profile chefs, and she's also written two cookbooks. And based on me looking at her Instagram feed, is an excellent cook. So welcome, Danny. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Excited to be here. My, one of my favourite podcasts in Green Media. So. Awesome. Um, so you're one of our first guests that's chosen their ingredient. Okay. So why did you choose rhubarb? Rhubarb, it just sounds so good. I think it's a word thing first. Uh, so, yeah, I chose it because I like the sound of it, but I also love eating it. And yeah. I like it in sweet and savoury preparations. Really? Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting. The more I looked into it, um, yeah, well, I, I did have a little sneaky nibble of the loaf. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with Ben. It's actually pretty tasty. Yeah. I, don't, I think you, played, you downplayed the amount of sugar that was in that loaf with the pork. It was great. Hmm. I'm, I'm pro. So what would be your favourite rhubarb? Like what's your sort of go-to if you if you get it in a veggie box, for example? Is there something that you kind of do with it straight away? Yeah, like I think my go-to is stewed rhubarb just yeah. in the morning on muesli. Um, I think that's really good to have in the fridge. But I do love it with crumble. So not even cooking it first, but just cutting it up, putting it in the baking dish, putting some cr- uh, crumble ingredients over the top of it and what, throwing it in the oven. I sometimes squeeze a, an orange over it because rhubarb's got a lot of moisture in it itself and mm. it will soften just um without adding anything but a little bit of orange is nice a bit of citrus mm. yeah but i like the uh the savory nature of rhubarb but i'll add a bit of sweetness too mm. And have you ever grown your own rhubarb? Yes. I have a pot of rhubarb in the back garden and it's been there i reckon five years yeah and if i can't kill it it's (laughs) unkillable because i'm not a very good gardener now the only advice i ever had about growing rhubarb is that it's a voracious feeder and my grandma actually told me that she grew it in a bucket of manure wait so so what does voracious feeder mean that it loves being fertilized okay yeah Yeah. so uh she my grandma kept it in a bucket of manure she lived uh in a situation where there was manure around um yeah yeah, just in the country but i don't live in such a situation (laughs) the manure (laughs) i have access to is very unsavory uh but we do have a worm farm so it gets pretty uh heavy doses of worm juice and yeah but not on a regular basis just occasionally and yeah it's just it's there it's it's a in australia we can grow it all year around it it doesn't love cold weather but it never gets cold enough to kill it here Mm. right and have you had any um excellent rhubarb dishes in your travels at any um cool restaurants or interesting places around the world uh, yes, I have. There's a really nice rhubarb dish in Melbourne at Mr Jennings, so uh, rhubarb with foie gras. And right. I think that uh, rhubarb goes really well with rich meats. So foie gras, like a liver, is certainly in that category of being very rich, sort of unctuous. And um, there are other rhubarb dishes, for example, with lamb. It's sort of like a, if you think of that sort of lamb and prune sort of concept in a tagine, which is not uncommon, it's mm. sort of along those lines where you get that really astringent, savoury note with, a, with quite a rich meat so I think yeah rhubarb does have its place I've seen it also a little bit with pork yeah. so or even like a rhubarb pickle or a chutney with a with a with a charcuterie or you know terrine something like that can work really well now you've been digging all around the internet we're, we're a bit scared because we've got a, a genuine food writer in in the studio <laughs> with this uh and you you've suggested this like we feel like there's a pool shark you know like somebody's <laughs> like oh hey i'll come and play pool against you and then you're just going to pot all the balls on us yeah when i look at wikipedia i just see such <laughs> such more than you yeah <laughs> um i did turn to my stephanie alexander so that's one yep. resource where she's fabulous with ingredients absolutely uh but yeah one thing that i did do a little a bit of digging into and a few um, probably erroneous calculations was 
situation that may help you tonight okay. with your um, your coma that's about to happen. <laughs> but I, yeah. according to my calculations, you would actually need to eat about five kilograms five of kilos. rhubarb okay. leaves. Now, the readers of uh, listeners couldn't see you eating. Do you think you ate five kilograms uh, on air before? I don't think. I think it was more like maybe five centimetres. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I'm all right. I, I think, think you'll be all right. all right. And one thing that I found is that there is actually more of the oxalic acid in parsley and chives. Really? Now, they don't come with user warnings, do they? No. Should they? Well, should they? <laughs> oh, my God. This is what I'm wondering. I've been eating parsley my whole life. <laughs> I've been eating it like crazy. Maybe I'm in a coma parsley. right now. <laughs> yeah, maybe we all, all are. <laughs> I give my kid parsley. <laughs> yeah. Is, I don't think I can go on. Yeah, so I don't know. It, was a, it, wasn't, it wasn't a food website as such. It was just something that was really into oxalic acid and listing mm. all the concentrations. And I think parsley was four times the concentration of rhubarb. So, so if, be scared. So <laughs> then you'd only need like... A kilo and a half of parsley. Yeah, and we're all, I mean, I'm always eating a kilo and a half of parsley. <laughs> we're not doing parsley next week. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, no, because I, I can't afford another coma. Um, you also did some digging into uh, some, entertain, like, the world of entertainment. It wasn't just food that you were looking up. Yeah, I don't think there are many vegetables about which films have been made. Yeah. Tell us, well, tell us about this, this film. It was called... Called rhubarb. It's called rhubarb rhubarb. Rhubarb rhubarb. Uh, it's an Eric Sykes um, film. Don't ask me to uh, go into too many details about it. But when I thought about rhubarb, I did think about rhubarb 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 rhubarb, and that's a sort of. Uh, I guess entertainers shorthand for hubbub in the background. Yeah. So there's this film and the only dialogue in it, it's mostly silent, but when there is dialogue, it is. Well, I'll, I'll see if the audio works. I've, I've got some here. There's some people having a, some sort of fracas at a golf club. Uh, I think there's, there's a part earlier on, I'll see if I can get it going, where uh, a, um, a choir sings the words rhubarb. I'll yeah. See, I'll see if this will work for you. Yeah. So that goes for an hour. <laughs> I think it's like half an hour or so. Oh, half an hour. But it's barely enough. It should have gone for an hour. <laughs> it's a it's a kooky story. And as I um as I speak now, I actually wonder if they had ingested many rhubarb leaves <laughs> or some pasta uh, in the scripting and shooting of this film, which is uh, it's about. Uh, I don't really know what it's about, but there's a priest. There's a lot of stuff on the golf course. Mm. There's a lot of hijinks. There's um yeah boys throwing so golf balls through windows. The, the script the the. Synopsis I saw was something about a policeman wanting to beat a vicar at golf so badly that he starts to cheat. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think I saw stuff along those <laughs> yeah. lines. Yeah. yeah. I, I haven't watched the whole thing, I'll be honest, but uh, it was, yeah. It was, it was, Everyone should watch it. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I think it's good to walk around saying rhubarb, 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 rhubarb <laughs> quite a lot. <laughs> um, you, you haven't cooked any rhubarb this week in your... Uh, no, I do have some in the fridge okay. and um, I, and I do have some in the back garden. Uh, so I do have a lot at hand but have not as yet cooked it but felt I might be inspired this evening mm. by <laughs> strange <laughs> concoctions. And is the rhubarb you grow at home 
really different to like the rhubarb in the supermarket? Uh, I guess it's like a lot of homegrown vegetables. It's uh, not as uniform in nature. Mm. So my stalks, some are thin and some are fat and some are some droop because I forget to water the plant. But no, they're pretty much the same. I mean, there is a little bit of variation. I think people like to see the red rhubarb, mm. but the white rhubarb is can be just as delicious. In Europe, they um, sometimes force the rhubarb, which means that they keep covering it with dirt so that it stays um, snowy white in, in appearance. Mm. Uh, but we don't really do that here. Uh, in, our, in our climate and I guess it's not so much to our tastes. Uh, no, but, you know, one thing I am going to do with rhubarb is put it in a bottle of vodka and watch the vodka turn pink and take on the beautiful oh, right. flavour cool. and fragrance of rhubarb and, um, and I'm going to have a rhubarb party. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, just watch out for that rhubarb coma that you might go into, which will have nothing to do with the vodka and everything to do with the rhubarb. You could be right. Um, Danny Valent. Thank you so much for joining us on, on Ingredipedia. Uh, you, you really have lift, uh, like raised the bar and now we're going to have to completely revise the facts that we've got <laughs> yeah. for round two and round three. <laughs> Happy to help. Ben, you seem to know a lot about gardening. Um, <coughs> based solely on the time I told you I had a passion fruit tree in my backyard as a kid and you said, no, you didn't, they grow on vines, not trees. So I have a gardening question for you. <laughs> Can I just say you had to you checked that with your dad? Yeah, and that was true. But in my head, it was just a trick. I'm just really ha- I'm just happy that Craig was on my side. Um, how do you know when rhubarb is ready to pick? Um, uh, I don't know. Is it colour? Um, the leaves spread. In incorrect. A, oh. It makes a noise. Um, so this is the sound of oh, oh okay. Um, yep. Rhubarb that's ready to pick. Okay. Rhubarb ready to pick. Okay. Might have to turn it off a bit. Yeah, so that's the noise of rhubarb. Explain to me how that's rhubarb. Well, um, that's the sound of rhubarb like pushing up through the dirt. Really? In, um, yeah, so that's like a real-time recording. That's not even sped up. Of um, forced rhubarb, which Danny just mentioned before, growing at um, a farm called David Westwood and Son yeah. in England. Near Wakefield. Rhubarb buds popping as they burst. Yeah. And also some mud as we squelched around in the dark. Mm. So I think, I kind of think of it as like beatboxing popcorn. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds really s- synthetic. That is the sound of rhubarb. Yeah. So it sounds amazing. <laughs> Somebody remix this. I'm waiting for Björk to sing over the top of this. Yeah, let, let's let's play out on this one for sure. That's um, amazing. Yeah. So the rhubarb that is growing is forced. So that's a way of growing rhubarb like so it's ready a month earlier than it usually would be, and it's usually grown in complete darkness. So um, in garages or really dark greenhouses, so they don't get any sunlight and can't photosynthesize. And like the gardeners actually tend to the forced rhubarb by candlelight, so um, the light doesn't kind of like ruin them or like make them like normal mm. rhubarb. Um, so it, being in darkness means that they'll desperately try and find sunlight and reach out and grow pale pink stems in the process, so not like the red that we're kind of used to. And it also means they're less bitter. Um, and there's actually a rhubarb triangle in the UK, which is like a nine square mile area where forced rhubarb's usually grown and it has that um, certification of place status like um, tomatoes in Italy and stuff have. Um, so, like, you can only buy forced rhubarb from this um, rhubarb triangle in the UK. So I guess if you're planning to go there, um, bring your earplugs. 
Yeah, or bring your laptop and (laughs) make yourself a Björk record while you're doing it. Um, Okay, well, rhubarb makes some amazing noises. Uh, It's poisonous if you eat way more than is possible in one sitting, but it may save the planet. Stay with me. This is from the journal Science, which is a big deal getting in in science, which is the journal. Um, So I'll I'll read you a little bit from it and I'll see if it makes sense. A molecule nearly identical to one in rhubarb may hold the key to the future of renewable energy. Researchers have used the compound to create a high-performance flow battery a leading contender for storing renewable power in the utility grid. If the battery prototype can be scaled up, it could help utilities deliver renewable energy when the wind is calm and the sun isn't shining. So energy storage is kind of the missing link in large-scale renewables uh, and flow batteries are being sort of brought uh, brought up as, as a potential to kind of change that and as the sort of missing link to, to really upscale uh, renewable energies. Um, because unlike conventional batteries, which pack the chemical reactants and electrodes together. Flow batteries keep their reactants in separate tanks and then they let them sort of flow in together and then they extract the energy. Um, But yeah, uh, flowing the materials past two electrodes separated by a membrane. So the problem with flow batteries at the moment is that um, they're currently made out out of um, a a material that's three times the price they should be to create cost-effective energy, which is where this rhubarb-like protein comes in. So it's not rhubarb exactly, but organic molecules called quinones combined with a corrosive material called bromine. Tests by a Harvard team show that the quinone flow battery not only works, but also appears stable in early testing and provides considerable power. So we may one day power our homes with rhubarb, kind of. Wow. So thank you, rhubarb. (laughs) You might poison me, but you also save my planet. I appreciate it. Ben, have you ever been to Iceland? Uh, let me think. No. I, I thought it was no, but I was just checking because I actually I haven't asked you that question before. A lot of my friends have been there and it sounds amazing from like a landscape, nature kind mm. of point of view, but maybe not so much the food. Like one of my friends went there and she said she ate a lot of hot dogs. Okay. And I guess there's lots of fish. Yeah. But um, this week I found out a lot about Iceland and rhubarb. So it's, apparently it's common for kids in Iceland to eat rhubarb stalks as a snack on the street. And that's because rhubarb grows really easily in Iceland because the climate's perfect for it. Yeah. So after winter, almost every garden has rhubarb growing in it and it's in oversupply. So they make all types of things with it. But ever since more kind of like exotic and rare fruits started arriving in Iceland um, and becoming more affordable, rhubarb's become less popular. So I kind of, I think it's like when you have heaps of anything, it loses its appeal. Like my cousins live on the Queensland and New South Wales border. And I remember they used to pick mangoes from the tree and throw them at the fence for fun. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But that's because they had heaps of mango trees with hundreds and hundreds of mangoes on them. So they didn't seem that precious to them. Whereas now if I saw them doing that, I'd be like putting my body on the line to save the mangoes. Mm. Anyway, (laughs) there's heaps of rhubarb in Iceland. So kids pick rhubarb stalks, peel them, apparently. I didn't know you had to peel them and then dip them in sugar to eat as a snack, Okay, which is confusing because I can only assume Icelandic kids carry a bowl of sugar around with them in their backpack <laughs> or pocket at all times. So when they come across a rhubarb plant, they're set. So they're very organized. And I thought that we could try this kid's snack okay. in Iceland. Okay. So I've got some little... You've, you're just carrying some sugar around in your backpack. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. All right. Dipping it in. Yeah, I'm into this. 
So this this is this, just raw. This is just raw right. raw rhubarb dipped in sugar. Oh, it's crunchy. It's very for everybody at home. Mm. That's good. It's really good. It tastes a bit like the leaves, Whoa. though. <laughs> well, I didn't eat the leaves, so it doesn't taste. Yeah, it tastes <laughs> a bit. It's good initially, and then mm. you really get down to the middle of the rhubarb. Yeah, it's got like a. a, a this is going to sound weird, but like a very organic taste, like a very sort of almost like um, this like uh, rotting leaves, that kind of. I don't really get that undertone maybe. to it. <laughs> What's well, the side effect of like being poisoned? Maybe like, warped maybe. sense of taste. You've always been a fire-breathing dragon, haven't you? <laughs> good, good to know. Um, so yeah, it's not bad, but I guess not not good enough to make me want to travel to Iceland mm. for the food. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so you're not booking a ticket to Iceland, but you might dip some more foods in sugar yeah. and see if they work. Yeah, let's try it with pickles sometime. <laughs> okay, well, I want to talk about rhubarb like a lot of foods, having a medicinal effect. So um, rhubarb contains uh, atroquinones, uh, including rhine and amodin, and they're glycosides apparently, which they impart, um, there's no kind of polite way of saying this, cathartic and laxative properties. So it's useful as a cathartic in case of constipation. Okay. So we're, we're good <laughs> for a while. Um and, and where does that come into play? You know, when do people really need medicines? During the Civil War. Oh my so, God. during the American Civil War, uh, and this is an article from, uh, 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 this is my new favourite website. It's called the uh, historydetectives.nyhistory.org. It's from the New York Historical Society. It's got so many Civil War facts. This is going to, you guys are going <laughs> to love it uh, and me talking I'm about them every single time. Um, so disease caused, caused roughly 60% of all Union soldier deaths during the Civil War. So more people died of disease than they did from, you know, bullets. And there was a lot of death from bullets. Um, 10 out of 11 black Union soldiers who died succumbed to disease, not a bullet. Uh, no one in America at that time could have imagined that invisible microbes caused fatal epidemics. So basically they... They thought that illness was transmitted through miasmas or foul air and that health could be achieved through the balance of four bodily substances called humours. So they really had no idea what was going on. They're like, wow, everybody's dying. It's weird. Um, So uh, in order to kind of stem the the flow of of disease, they uh, started um, trading in these uh, patent or proprietary medicines, which are now we kind of know more as quack medicines. So there's no real evidence that any of them worked. Uh, and in fact, some of them actually probably damaged those who took them and their formulas were kept a secret, which is illegal today. So, um, you know, they were passed around. They had names like hot, uh, bitters and, uh, uh, Holloway's ointment. And they had things in them like, uh, well, hot, host bitters had 47% alcohol. So some soldiers taking the medicine like thought they were getting better. In fact, they were just drunk. Uh, And they could have actually been getting sicker because of the amount of alcohol. Um, Brandreth's pills and Holloway's ointment were medically ineffective but also fairly safe. Um, Brandreth pills had a vegetable base. And you're wondering where I'm I'm getting to Mm. um, with uh, this being the rhubarb episode and not just Ben talking about the Civil (laughs) War episode. Um, The uh, Holloway's uh, Holloway's products... Uh, contained aloes and rhubarb with small amounts of saffron and pepper. Uh, 
The ointment was principally olive oil, lard and waxes. So if you're feeling a bit ill, just mix together some (laughs) lard, some wax, some olive oil, some saffron, some pepper, some aloes and, yeah, some uh, some rhubarb. Uh, It might not make you better, but it'll uh, it'll be delicious. Emily, what did we talk about tonight? Um, first thing I talked about was meatloaf to try and prove that rhubarb is a savoury vegetable. True. And then I poisoned myself um, by eating uh, enough rhubarb to kill a man. Then I talked about um, the sound rhubarb makes, the popping noise. And then I uh, talked about rhubarb being used in batteries and saving the world. Then we ate an Icelandic snack of rhubarb. And then I talked about the medicine made of rhubarb during the American Civil War. Yeah, so you can vote for who um, you found the most interesting on our Instagram, which is Ingredipedia. It is. Uh, you put an at in front. Well, you don't well, really need to. Well, you don't to. really need to say yeah, that. Yeah, it's true. I know. I say kind that, of a bit I? two years ago. Um, <laughs> and if you like the show, you should um, definitely subscribe. You just search for um, Ingredipedia on iTunes and you'll know it's us because there's a cute as hell logo with a banana on it designed by Jess Ramsey. Thank you, Jess, for our wonderful artwork. Um, and, yeah, head to ingredipedia.com.au if uh, you want to see what all that looks like mm. as well. Thanks for having us.